0: Hello, and welcome to the Recap by Dive Collective. Over the next few minutes, we're going to hit the highlights of the last week's reading from our reading plan. Annika and I are excited to invite you along as we read through the Bible together. You can find our reading plan at divecollective.org. It's a free download when you sign up for our newsletter. We know that some of you love the accountability of a checklist, while others thrive from the freedom to join in whenever your schedule allows. The Recap is intended to meet all of those needs. So whatever category you fit into, just know we're excited to have you here with us today. Welcome back to the recap. This week we have Janet Charbonnet joining us. She's one of our members at Dive Collective. She is a mom and a wife living in San Diego, California. She's good friends with our very own Kelly and a few other members. She led a Bible study with them down in San Diego, and now she's joined us for Bible study. And we're so grateful to have her and her voice be a part of what we're doing here. Uh, right now, she's the admin for a neuro rehab clinic that she and her husband run. Her husband is the president of VIP Neuro Rehab, and it's a nonprofit physical therapy clinic for uh, those who have neuro injuries, spinal cord, strokes, MS, and cerebral palsy. David was the patient there after his injury in 2011, her husband, and they started working there in late 2013. Janet, we're so glad to have you with us here today. (laughs) Thank you. Thanks for having me. Yeah, we're starting in
1: Exodus 17. We got to read that Jethro scene this week, which we love Jethro. Jethro's awesome. Moses' father-in-law. And... I know we've. this is not a new conversation. We've definitely talked about him before, but how he comes and he brings Moses' wife back and he just kind of comes to like check things out and see how everything's going. And in verse nine, Moses gives him an update, basically like, let me just tell you what has happened. And it says, Jethro was delighted in all the good that God had done for Israel. Mm -hmm. And I was just thinking about how, I think sometimes for me, like I read Exodus, well, all of this, and it's just normal. It's not new information. It's not fresh. It's stuff I've heard my whole life. But can you imagine being Jethro and having Moses tell you what God had just done in bringing His people out of Egypt? Like that must have been ridiculous. Like ridiculous. I, I, like to to hear that firsthand account and so soon afterwards. And just that jethro was delighted in all of the good that god had done i thought that was cool and then he
0: actually Jeth- right most father-in-law brought a burnt offering and sacrifices to god because of what he heard this is what's so interesting to me and this having we were just studying um in another group um a passage in matthew where the vineyard owner goes into the marketplace and he brings back people throughout the day he agrees with the first two to give, pay them a denarius. And then the last ones come just be um, on the like at dinner time, basically. Yeah. Yeah. That they'll be, that they'll get what's fair. And at the end of the day, the vineyard owner pays the people who came in last first. And then he pays everybody else. And that last person gets paid as much as those first people do. And we were just talking about what that means like the first shall be last and the last shall be first. And one of the things I had never considered before that I love that somebody had mentioned was that when you have been in the vineyard for a long time, if the spirit of God is like really living, it's like, if you're living according to the spirit, when you watch those first people get the same amount that you get, there's, a, there should be like, it's almost like you get to experience God and his fullness again through their story that they come in last and they still get the fullness of God. They still get all that God wants to give them, even though they came in last and that, and that, you know, that he went out to get that, like you, this whole testimony that they get to live, there's joy in that. And I think that's what I see here in Jethro is that he's getting to see the character of God in somebody else's life. And it leads him to worship his mm-hmm. father more. It's like his own experience, getting to hear somebody else's testimony of Exodus. You know, we all have a testimony of Exodus, that, but when you get to hear that as they come in and the more magnificent it is, it, instead of causing jealousy or, um, bitterness, the way that it does kind of in that vineyard owner story, what it should cause is that like, I get to experience him again through you in this amazing mm-hmm. thing that he's done in you. And I feel like that's kind of, that's, what's so beautiful to me specifically in that part of Jethro's stories. He's like experiencing God fully just in oh, the telling and hearing the yeah. story. Yeah. Yeah. But so anyway, you're going to go to the next part of his story, which I absolutely love.
1: I think I mean, it's really simple and it's very clear, I think, but just how Jethro wanted to help. He shows up and he sees this thing and he's like, I have a better way for you to do it. But Moses's response to Jethro is I think what stuck out the most to me. That takes a lot of humility on Moses's part to not be like, dude, I just led these people out of Egypt. Like, I don't need you to tell me how to do what I'm doing here. You know what I mean? Like Moses he immediately, he listens to everything that Jethro says and goes and does it immediately, like without
0: even. Gosh, that really says a lot about too, like how God prepared them both for that. Like God established that relationship years before where Mm -hmm. Jethro was the person that he could count on. He was his solid rock. Like, I don't, I wonder, Moses probably didn't have a very solid father figure before Jethro, you know, Moses showing up there provided jethro with that credibility that he was for him you know just mm-hmm. all for him it would be what a gift to moses because everybody else is underneath them jethro is the only person in his life that he can look up to
2: i thought it was um, interesting the end of jethro's like suggestions where he says like this is my suggestion and if god command you and just how like that's how our wisdom should be to other people but also how we should receive wisdom from people of like
0: Oh, this where is, is what
2: he- I'm saying. And then if God also commands you, then move with it. Um, is that in like
1: verse 18 or something yeah, like that?
0: I think so. I wrote it in my notes. Now obey my voice. <laughs> I will give you advice and God be with you. That's what mine says, but it sounds like yours yeah. translated differently. In verse 23, it says, if you okay. follow
2: this advice and if God commands you to do so, um, then you will be able to endure the pressures and all these people will go home. Um, so yeah, his mind says a little different, I guess, but I thought that's that a, was, it's
1: a different verse. Yeah. I true. like that though. That's yeah. so
2: good. And just humility in him, you know, he's coming with all like, this is my advice that he has a whole plan laid out, you know, and it's kind of like, well, if God says also, then right. move, you know?
0: Yeah. So. It points to more of his humility. One of the things that like the, the humility that stands out to me is the fact that he doesn't he doesn't want this to become his show. He has no desire for this to become the Jethro show. He's mm-hmm. like, this is you. This is what God has called you to do. And if I can come alongside of you for a moment and just make your burden a little bit lighter by helping you to see an easier way to do this, then thanks be to God that I get to be a part of your goodness. You know, and then he's Absolutely. out. He's like, boom, gone. Like,
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
0: I just really love that so much. But I, again, I really like that first the way that you're translated and then points further to his humility we're so glad you're listening to the recap with us we'll get back to this week's reading in just a moment did you know that we're studying four different bible studies in the book of genesis this year we just wrapped up our first one about creation through noah the next one is beginning march 9th and 11th please come join us as we study the story of abraham we're going to look specifically at how the gospel is reflected in this great man of faith We've made it easy for you to join in anytime. We have podcast recordings of every chapter we've covered on our network, so you can easily stay caught up. Come and see at divecollective.org. Sometimes just as an outsider, it's just, wait, it's a, how did Moses not think of that himself? It's like so <laughs> obvious. You know what you mean? Well, I wonder, I can kind
1: of relate to that. I'm not a good delegator. In my mind, it's way easier for me to just do it myself than to try to find someone else to do it the way that I want it to be done. And Moses is this man who's now, God has just called Moses and given Moses this responsibility to lead his people out of Egypt. And so Moses is, he's got Aaron to help him, but Moses might be thinking like,
0: well, I I guess I I can can do do it all.
1: Yeah. Like God asked me to do it. So I guess I have to do it. I mean, it's kind of the same thing you're saying. Like he didn't think that it was a possibility or even an option for him to get other people involved in the work this way because he's the guy in charge. And so probably was, maybe it was easier for him to respond the way he did to Jethro because he was so relieved that like, it was like another person who walked with God, who he could trust, who was saying, you don't have to carry this all on your own.
0: Yeah. That's such a good I never really thought about that. I'm actually, but I I am also a terrible delegator. And honestly, yeah. it takes too much time to like back up and Ooh, look at yes. how to do it more efficiently. Mm-hmm. I'd rather just do it than take the time to think about how to do it more efficiently. But I'm I'm actually also very good at seeing how to do things more efficiently when it's not my thing to do. You know what I mean? I never really thought about so like, if
1: you can, it's like the outside perspective is yeah. what makes the difference. Yeah.
0: I think that's I think you're right. I think there's something special about Jethro's outside perspective here and his lack of investment in it like i mean he's invested because he loves moses but at the end of the day he's like this isn't my show this is your rodeo good luck bud mm-hmm. <laughs> this is how i'd ride this cow <laughs> yeah <laughs> i think
2: till this point god had only like spoken to moses right like he had right. talked to anyone it wasn't till like the next 19, where he like kind of reveals himself to everyone. Before mm-hmm. that, it's just been kind of just Moses this show, like y'all were saying. Mm-hmm. So, yeah,
0: probably,
1: might not even have crossed his mind. Of like, yeah, I could expand. Moses this. felt such a weight of responsibility. I'm sure.
0: Mm-hmm. Chapter 19, we just talked about this, Janet, in our Genesis podcast, but we were looking at. um, I underlined in verse five. I think it is. I just had never really paid attention. I don't think so much to God's promise and his covenant that he makes with Moses. He says, you shall be my treasured possession among all peoples for all the earth is mine. I just really love that treasured possession, thinking about God, thinking of us as treasures. They obviously won't keep his covenant. We know that. (laughs)
2: Yeah, exactly that. We're treasure in the midst of like all of their like whining and complaining and <laughs> lack of faith, and that we're still treasured is kind of crazy yes. to think. Yes,
1: right. That when God said that, He knew that as soon as He gave them the commandments, they were going to build a golden calf. I don't remember who wrote that this week or not, but not yet. I don't. He think. knows, but He still it doesn't change the way He's chosen them as His people.
0: Yeah. Which is what makes Jesus all the sweeter, right? Because that's the covenant. We receive that promise based on Jesus fulfilling our side of the covenant, mm-hmm. which is so cool. So we can read that and go, we are his treasured possession among mm-hmm. all peoples. Then we get the 10 commandments. I like that
2: all of them just kind of point out his value on life itself mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. just highlights that life is above like all of these other things, above property, above uh, of like animals, above all the things. And this is how you protect it. And this is how you love one another well. And yeah, I just thought that was really interesting. And looking at like all the commandments he gives in this section as like a whole.
1: I didn't think about that. Yeah. I love that. Me too. And how he fights for how he, like, he's like, if you don't do this, I'm going to fight for this person, like with yes. the, specifically, I think with the widows and the children and mm-hmm. there are ways when you say that, Jana, it makes me think even more of that was one of the things I noticed that God is like, I will fight for this person or this. Mm-hmm. And you're right. It is a, wrapped up in protecting
0: life. I don't know too, if I would have noticed like that remains me because we studied, um, Noah this and that, New covenant that he make, makes with Noah specifically, it's talking about how the death of a man will be repaid with de- Like he's like this. This is serious mm-hmm. business. Like the human life, the breath of life that I've created is very serious to me. So you saying that kind of echoes that lesson that we were learning in Noah. Yeah. Anything the last else? thing.
2: I like, yeah. The last thing I like in Exodus. Is just the how he set the rhythm of life, just so just how he talks about like the seventh day is for rest, mm-hmm. the fields mm-hmm. rest for seven years, you cancel debts after seven years, and just um like we are reminded with like Passover and he sets all sorts of different rhythms for us to remember. But I like how so early on those rhythms and patterns and like you see how God is a god of order and Yes. Um, like the boundaries and the rules and just that he's trying to, you know, there's not supposed to be chaos.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And it's for and, our good. But, All of those things mm-hmm. are for our good.
1: Yep. I mean, we've read it multiple times in the gospels as we've been reading through, but that idea that the Sabbath was a gift, we've talked about it almost every week. I feel like <laughs> this year so far, because it happened, like I feel like I've been noticing a lot in Genesis and Exodus and in the gospels that, man, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. It's not some arbitrary rule that like he gave it to us for a reason. And the reason is for our good.
0: Yeah. Which is crazy because, you know, the more we read, we're going to find like how strongly he feels about it. How many punishments come because of broken Sabbaths Mm -hmm. that the real benefit to keeping the Sabbath is our own benefit. And yet he feels so strongly about it that the consequences are severe for not following it.
2: I feel like for our generation, it's a very hard thing to do. I don't know if it was as hard for Mm -hmm. other generations, but just with technology and our like pace of life and always being connected, it seems like Sabbath is almost harder for us, which is maybe why we keep talking about it. But yeah, (laughs) it's not as like... Easy, you know, I don't know. I imagine when you could like unplug taking Sabbath was probably easier, you know. I mean, you can unplug anytime you want, but
1: <laughs> we should go to Job.
0: Yeah, Job, we're starting at 35. Oh, this is my thesis. this. So I wonder funny. if we're even getting a chance to talk about Luke, because this is where it's all at in Job, if you ask me. Mm-hmm. Like, I
1: always
2: get very confused as I'm reading Job. I have to constantly be going back to the little See, who's I'm speaking?
1: Like, Who is that? Yeah. 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 I'm reading through the message this year, and in we started in 35, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This is still Elihu talking, but the heading of 35, I feel like, kind of covers the rest of it for me in a way. It's the heading that is in this Bible says, when God makes creation a classroom. I was actually just (gasps) having a conversation the other night with my, yes, isn't that so, I was, I just had a conversation with my neighbor the other night and we were talking about science and the Bible and without getting into the weeds, but like the idea of that general revelation, God's creation and specific revelation, the Bible, they work together. Like in Romans, it tells us that that's one of the reasons why humanity is without excuse is because creation reveals God. Ugh, I just love this section in Job because that's something that for me is always a good reminder, but it's just also written really beautifully. And even who uses creation as the classroom. He doesn't have it. I don't think he quite hits the nail on the head, not quite the same way as God does when he does it, but it's still, there's still some good stuff in there. But I loved that when, when creation becomes the classroom.
0: Hmm. Do you have anything from Elihu's conversation? I like that it goes straight from Elihu talking to the Lord, Mm -hmm. because I really think that Elihu in those previous chapters is starting to get really to exactly what God's going to say. Like he's basically transitioning to God is the one that formed the earth and we do not get to question him. And I like that he answers them out of the whirlwind. Mm -hmm. and he said, who is this that darkens counsel by words without knowledge, dress for action like a man. I don't know. I, I don't remember what version I was reading it where it says, gird up your loins like a man and you answer me. I will question you and you answer me. But this one says, dress for action like a man. I will question you and you make it known to me. Where were you when I laid the foundation of the earth? Tell me if you have understanding just the rhythm of it is just this like ongoing, like, were you there when I created Mm -hmm. this? Were you there Ah. when I put Leviathan where he is? Were Mm -hmm. you there? Like, just ask all these questions of Job. One of my favorites is where he says, who shut in the sea with doors when it burst out from the womb, when I made clouds its garment and thick darkness its swaddling band and prescribed limits for it and set bars and doors and said, thus far you shall come and no farther. And here shall your proud waves be stayed. Every time I'm standing at the ocean, which is more than usual, well, actually Gitmo was the same way. I just remember every time I would stand at the ocean shore, I was like, why this? Why right here? Like this is, Mm -hmm. this is where you said this far and no further.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah.
0: I noticed a
1: couple of places in this section where God is talking examples that he gives and things that he does that I was like, you, you're doing this for your own pleasure. It's gifts for us. The ostriches. Yes, that one, and then in 38, um, it's talking about, like, have you ever seen where snow is stockpiled and hail is stockpiled? And then he says, who do you suppose carves canyons for the downpours of rain and charts the route of thunderstorms that brings water to unvisited fields, deserts no one ever lays eyes on, drenching the useless wastelands so they're carpeted with wildflowers and grass? I mean, yes, we can explore places we could never have explored before now, but there are places where God does this just for his own enjoyment of his creation. And then like a lot of times we get to enjoy it too. And of course it all works into like keeping the earth functioning for survival, but it's, it's so much more than that. There's just, it's like beauty and joy for beauty and joy's sake. and I thought that was pretty cool. The ostrich is the other one that stuck out to me for that. He basically says what this ostrich is useless. Like she's a terrible mother. Like she can't, she has feathers. She can't fly. But have you seen her run?
0: Just watch her run. It's just really. I remember that from the message last year. I love that so much. All right. So then we get to Job.
1: This was like, okay, so my life is a little bit in upheaval right now in a much more Minor and temporary way than Job's was. But when Job responds to God, he says, I'm convinced you can do anything and everything. Nothing and no one can upset your plans. And that's like, we know that. Like, that's not new. I've read that a million times. But to see Job's response in the midst of the mess that his life is, when God gives him all, when he uses creation as a classroom and he gives him all of these examples, and Job's like, You're right.
0: With no promise that he's going to be healed. Right, right.
1: This recognition that God's plan, like the fact that he says nothing and no one can upset your plans. It's it's like he's finally acknowledging that all of this that has been happening to him was part of God's plan. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: And like you said, there's no promise. Like Job doesn't know the future. He doesn't know that God's going to restore him.
0: I don't know that I've ever thought about it this way before until you just said that. But it makes me think of, you can go through anything if you hear god's voice if you know he's there with you which makes me think if god is silent that whole time that job is lamenting like there's no peace there but as soon as god speaks and you're like oh this is you and you're in this with me okay there's just a surrender that happens when you start to hear god's voice again when you hear his voice and you know he's in it it's the idea that he's enough that when when somebody's going through Insanity. I'll never forget when I was losing Lydia. I got lots of messages from a lot of different people, but there's one that I remember verbatim because it was so short. But it was like, "Yes, pray that for me. Like if the, if if anybody prays anything for me, that's what I want to pray." She goes, "I'm thinking about you, and I'm praying you feel Jesus near." And it was like, "Yeah, that's it. Like if I feel him mm-hmm. near, if I feel his closeness, if I know he's near, then I'll, I can endure anything." He is enough. There's no promise that it's gonna get better. He just hears God's voice and he's like, Okay, you're God. It's
1: yeah, it's his acknowledgement, like total humility and total trust. Like really trust Mm -hmm. just in God, not trust that God's gonna work it out.
0: Just I trust you. Yeah. What are your thoughts on this part, Janet?
2: My like takeaway was just where the Lord speaks and then he's like, I have nothing more to say. You know, it's been chapters and chapters of back and forth and trying to rationalize with each other. And then, like you guys said, just like, and I will sit here and have nothing else, you know, like, mm-hmm. um, yeah, then, I think because we listens. know at the end
0: of the story, we send like in my head, I tend to think of it as though he knows that like, if he just sits there, he's going to get restored, but that's not it. Like that at this point in the story, that's not his reality. He's just like, okay, I'm going to sit with that. Mm-hmm. I thought it was interesting in verse 5
2: of 42. It said, I had only heard about you before, but now I have seen you with my own eyes. Did he actually see the Lord, or was it just, is he meaning like, I see you in all the things you've been explaining?
0: Does that make sense? That's yeah. a really good question because I mean, I don't think he does see him. So that's a, yeah. that's a very good verse to pull out and be like, what, is, mm-hmm. what does that mean exactly? And I think you're right. I think he's. Oh, I see. yeah, and then like we can see, we can see all these things
2: that he's saying, you know, in detail. Mm-hmm. Um, but also that he had the faith he did, being like, I, I haven't seen you, I haven't known you, you know. Mm-hmm. This whole book, you know, he has had so much faith, so that's also really cool
1: to mm-hmm. acknowledge. It makes me think about so the way it's translated in the message. It says, "I admit I once lived by rumors of you." Now I have it all firsthand from my own eyes and ears. And it just makes me think about how, like you just said, he was still exercising this faith, even though like he was kind of confused and he wasn't sure what was going on. Like his faith stayed strong in the Lord. And it kind of goes back to what you were saying, Erin, about Jethro experienced God through what Moses told him and mm-hmm. up until this point like it's like that's how job had experienced god like he yes. had known god through what other people who knew god had told him it didn't make his faith less or not as significant or less like he's still
0: this is a proven faith he's now saying it like is, his faith is right, proven right yes,
1: yes. yep so he's good. now saying i had i i had faith in you but Maybe. now i know that i know that i know that i know that's an Aaron saying
0: Yes. Um, Yeah. So good. And I would argue that in chapter 42, in those first few verses, that's where Job is restored. I think that Job Mm. is fully restored at that point. And that's when God adds unto his full restoration. Mm -hmm. He gets another family and he gets um, just a plethora of animals and his wealth is restored and he lives a a whole lot longer.
1: Because restoration doesn't always look like physical restoration. Job is awesome. Luke 20. Okay, I'm gonna skip until later. I mean, aside from the fact that Luke 24 is probably one of my favorite passages in the whole Bible when Jesus talks to the, the disciples on the road to Emmaus. But before that, we see Herod again, like during the crucifixion in chapter 23, Starting around verse eight, I think it says Herod was delighted when Jesus showed up. He had wanted for a long, this is after like Pilate's already talking, been talking to Jesus and trying to figure it out. And so he sends him to Herod and Herod was delighted when Jesus showed up. He had wanted for a long time to see him. He'd heard so much about him. He hoped to see him do something spectacular. He peppered him with questions. Jesus didn't answer not one word, but the high priest and religious scholars were right there saying their peace strident and shrill. In their accusations, mightily offended, Herod turned on Jesus, and his soldiers joined in, taunting and jeering. So then they dress him up, and then Herod and Pilate become buddies, and then they basically are like this Jesus guy, like he's fine, and they try to let him free. But Herod, like we've seen him pop up over and over, like even with John the Baptist, he's intrigued by John the Baptist. Then he has him killed, and then when Je- like he's always like listening mm-hmm. in the background, and so when I read this. I mean, sort of in the background, he used to have John come and talk to him all the time. Herod was delighted to see Jesus. What? Like th- that just kind of threw me. But then it says he was hoping to see him do something spectacular. So I was just thinking, like, Herod is just a, such an interesting character to me in all of this because he knows there's something different going on. Like, he knows yeah. there's something different about John. He knows there's something different about Jesus. He wants to see something cool happen. And yet he just, doesn't ever.
0: I love ever that he gets offended at Jesus. Yes. Like, he's like yeah. our pride. His pride was yep. so like, you're not going to speak to me. Do you not know? Who right. I Don't am. you know who I am? Yeah. 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 Jesus is like a lamb led to the slaughter. Silent. Right.
1: Hmm. Anyway, that's just some yeah. interesting wondering that I have about this dude, Herod.
0: Well, I'm not going to help. I'll just add to it with my, um, observation in 22. Verse 14, which or 15, which I loved. He said, when the hour came, he reclined at the table and the apostles with him. And he said to them, I have earnestly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I tell you that I will not eat it until it is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. I have earnestly desired to eat this Passover. He's about to be the lamb that's sacrificed. And he's like, oh, this is, I have been waiting for this this is it guys. This is the one, this is the, this is the Passover to end all Passovers. (laughs) It's it's literally, I don't, yeah. I mean, just that I have earnestly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer.
1: I feel like I do this a lot. I take what you say and then I'm like, yeah, I didn't think that deep about it, (laughs) (laughs) but it's to me, it almost, and maybe it's the way it's translated. It's actually not that different you have no idea how much I've looked forward to eating this Passover meal to you before I enter my time of suffering. It's almost like Jesus knew he had to suffer, but this was like his last, he had to enjoy this time with his people. I'm reading it as he's actually just looking forward to this meal with his people, knowing what's to come. Even though he asked for it to be passed, like he, this is what he came to do. He yeah. was finally doing the thing that he came to do.
0: Yeah. You know, you think about the thing that God calls you to, that you just are like, you're really, you're going to make me do the, this is the thing. The one thing that if I would ask you not to ask me to do, Mm -hmm. which is always the thing that he asks us to do is the one thing that we don't want him to ask us to do, you know? And Jesus is at that point, like, this is the week that he, I mean, he set his face like Flint to Jerusalem and he walked up with the disciples all behind him, takes them aside. I don't remember whether it's in, I think it's in Luke where he basically takes them aside on the way. And he was like, I'm going to Jerusalem and I am going to be flogged. He takes them aside specifically to tell them this is what's about to happen. And then he leads them, like he's walking in front of them, not with them, with his face, just like, sure, this is where I'm, this is where I am supposed to go. How much he must've been just looking forward to getting it all over with. Mm -hmm. It's almost done. It's almost done. It's almost done. Like once you decide to do it, then it's like, let's just get this over with rip off the band-aid.
1: Yeah.
2: For me, verse 12, I was really thinking about how he says, go upstairs to a large room that is already set up and just how, um, you know, for this huge moment, God had this person like in the wings who mm. was like setting up this room for, he didn't know why, or she did. I don't know who sets up the room, but just kind of like how you're saying how God calls us to different things. And we don't Usually get to see the whole picture, but mm-hmm. just being faithful in what He calls them to do, and like I was just wondering, like this room that was set up, where did they have other people coming? Did they not show up? Did were yeah, did right. up every year,
0: and mm-hmm. like nothing happens, you know? And um, I love thinking about that yeah. person. You you don't get any of their story. You don't know no. whether, <laughs> like, what you're right. Like maybe they set it up, and they and then their guests decide they were going to have Passover somewhere else. Maybe they were like deeply disappointed that their mm-hmm. plans had fallen through and that this was all god preparing the plan for jesus you know and then they come to know jesus and they're like that dude my house
2: like, yeah and god. one of like the scenes of the bible that like everyone knows about you know like the breaking of
0: the bread and all of the you know it's a it big in moment in their the house yeah. Oh, yeah now there's yeah. somebody else i need to meet in heaven that's good. Cool. <laughs> oh that's so good i love thinking about a lot of these side characters And I love it when you get a little picture from later in the New Testament about some of them, like Simon of Cyrene, who carries the cross. Mm -hmm. We're pretty sure that his son is one of the, um, he's one of the followers, one of the people Mm -hmm. that they, that I think Paul refers to as somebody that he loves. So you imagine that Simon comes to know Jesus, you know, at some point, whether he followed him at all Mm -hmm. during his life or whether Mm -hmm. it was just, he was literally just passing through town and then came to watch the world go dark for three hours and the curtain tear and Joseph of
1: Arimathea is one of those characters. Yeah. I think he's yes. the man who takes Jesus's body and, and buries him and, Nicodemus. and phrase in Nicodemus. So this phrase in chapter 23 of Luke about Joseph, it says it's explaining who he is. He was from the Jewish high council, yes. but he had gone against them. And it says he lived in alert expectation of the kingdom of God. Yeah. I know. Like, Mm -hmm. can you imagine? Which makes me think, actually. I I always heard he was just a rich guy. Yeah. But like Luke tells us more. Yeah. Yeah. So I was thinking of this while you were talking, Janet, about those people that, like that room that was ready. I was thinking, what if those people were like just living in alert expectation of the kingdom of God? And every year they got this room ready thinking maybe the Messiah is going to show, like, you know what I mean? Like there's so many, who knows, who Mm -hmm. knows what they were thinking and why they did it. And
0: um, I'm going to go, I, I think I'm going to stick with that. They were deeply disappointed because their guests decided that Yeah, that's to a to somebody else. That's exactly how God that's works, right? a good story. Right? Yeah. It's a good yeah. <laughs> yeah. Thank you, Janet, so much for joining us. Yeah. Thank you. That was really fun. <laughs> that's the recap. We'll see you next week. Thanks for listening to the recap. If you enjoyed this discussion and maybe you're wondering how to get more highlights out of your own scripture reading, you might be interested in joining our in-depth Bible studies where we model our version of inductive Bible study. You can find out more at divecollective.org and we will see you next week.